The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who've gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military, and I'm on a mission to educate veterans in the job search marketing process. This podcast shares the military transition hot washes and after action reports of your fellow veterans to smooth your own path out of the military. Ego is such a dangerous thing. And it's so prominent in, in the military community, right? When we're serving, like that's, we wear, we wear our ego on our chest. Our rank is there, our, our lickies and chewies, our badges are all over our uniform. Like we wear our ego. It's a, it becomes a part of who we are. Even if we're a humble human being, you, you're telling everyone who you are, where you've been. And when you step out into a world that you don't know, in a world that doesn't know you and none of those lickies and chewies really matter anymore. And, and it doesn't matter what year you went to ranger school or it doesn't matter what graduating class you were of, you know, the academy. It, those things, they stop to, they, and then it's not that they don't matter, but they stop to gain, they stop to hold relevance in that civilian world, right? I mean, they matter. They're who, they're, 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 they're what made us who we are. But when you talk to the civilian population, you talk to employers and you talk to the, it, it doesn't matter because they don't understand it. On today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, I'm welcoming the amazing Eric Brew. Eric retired after more than 24 years of service in both the Marine Corps and the Army. Eric's most recent role has been as part of an amazing team at American Corporate Partners, and he started his career with still serving veterans. His life's passion is to continue to serve and honor transitioning service members, veterans, and their families by investing in them and assisting them in building meaningful lives through connections to fulfilling careers and proactively strengthening the veteran community. He just recently took over as co-host of the Vet SOS podcast, which I'm going to be part of later this year. And he might just have some news to share with us today about what is next for his career. Eric, so glad to have you here. Thank you, Lori. It's such an honor to be here. I have been listening to your show for so long. I am so thankful um, that you do what you do for us, right? For for our community. I think that getting the word out and just talking about our stories is is huge. Um, I got to figure out who wrote that for me. That is huge. Like I got to pay them. I feel like I owe somebody money. I think it was you. You told me you wrote it. I don't know that I, I, I'll be your hype man. I'll walk around and introduce you in every room if you want. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start it because I know I've heard your stories. So I know you've got you had a really 
challenging military transition. So I've heard you tell the story before. Can you talk to us about what happened with your military transition process? Absolutely. Um, So like you said at the beginning, right, I retired after uh, somewhere between 24 and 25 years. Um, I served in both the Marine Corps and the Army. Um, But when I started to get ready for my transition, Lori, I had this great plan. Right. I had this this brilliant plan that I built up in my head and I was a senior NCO. So, I mean, we all know the answers, right? All the senior NCOs, we've got it. We've got it down pat. Um, I was going to be in operations management. I don't know what that meant, um, honestly. Now that looking back, right, hindsight being what it is, um, I didn't know if I was going to, what organization I was going to go to work for. Now I know that, you know, not only does Amazon hire operations managers, but so does Waffle House, right? Two completely different industries. They mean two different things. Yep. Uh, but that was my plan. I was going to go into operations management. I was going to get my Lean Six Sigma. I had this great plan. There was just one thing missing, and that was I didn't ask anyone else. I didn't reach out for help. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know that there was other things out there. And so what I ended up doing um, is putting my plan in the perfect rear naked choke, and uh, and I murdered it. I killed it. <laughs> I shut it down. I uh, I didn't give life room to life. I didn't give... Uh, myself a chance to grow. I didn't give myself a chance to learn anything. I didn't seek out anything to learn. Um, and so I failed. I fell flat on my face four months before my transition, four months, four months before I went on on terminal leave. Um, and I'll be very honest with you. I don't want to make this a super dark thing because we're going we're gonna to brighten it up after this, but it, uh, it led me into a pretty serious tailspin. I, I had a hard time understanding why I couldn't figure it out. I must be the only idiot, right? The only dumb, knuckle-dragging, barrel-chested grunt that can't figure out transition. Um, I remember sitting on my couch one night, and this is kind of the pinnacle of everything. It's kind of the the, the tipping off point, if you will. Um, and I was sitting on my on my MacBook, and and I had the Google machine open, and uh, and I didn't know what to type. And I have I've told this story so many times now; it just it's become muscle memory. But the truth is, it wasn't that I didn't know the answer. I didn't even know what the question was, and that became a really hard moment for me. Again, how could I not figure it out? How could I take nearly 25 years of highly, a highly successful career and bomb in the fourth quarter standing on the goal line, right? How could I fail so epically at the end? And that put me into a pretty serious tailspin that landed me on the phone with uh, an emergency counselor with Military One Source talking about suicide. That was a rough day. But, um, and I wish that, I wish, I, and I've said this a thousand times, I wish that they would tell me who that woman was. I wish I could go back and find her um, because she was incredible. But what she did is she opened my eyes to a couple of things. First and foremost, she told me I wasn't alone. She told me, she, she made me see that there are so many of us out there that struggle with transition. She made me understand what, what it was to give myself grace and to recognize that it was okay not to have all the answers. And I think, I think that was a, that was a, a, a changing point for me. Um, and quite frankly, it's what, it's what catapulted me into what I do now. And that's, you know, working for my brothers and sisters and, and, and trying to add value to their transition and just trying to be someone that lets people know they're not alone. But that was, that was the moment or that was the moment that just, it was, it was a moment of recognizing that it was okay for me not to have all the answers. That was such an unpopular thing in my career. Like you didn't, as a, as an NCO, like you don't get to walk into a room and get asked a question and say, I don't know. You know, like that's not, that's not okay. Yeah. And so when you have, when you're faced with the truth of, I don't know, it was a really humbling um, and terrifying experience, but that's, that's, that's my transition story, man. That's, that's where I kind of like, <laughs> and, and, but then I found some great organizations and I found a community and I found people that cared and I figured out I wasn't alone. And it was, it was cool. Like finding our community 
and find it because it's the veteran community, right? The veteran community is strong. Um, so finding our community and finding my place in it was was big for me. So I think sometimes if we could just get our ego out of the way, right? Couldn't that wouldn't that just be so helpful? Is like letting go of that ego and just saying, like I always say it, like just reach out your hand and ask for help. But that's the hardest part is that reaching out of your hand saying, I don't know, or I need help, or I don't know the way. Like I don't know what question to ask. Ego is such a dangerous thing. And it's so prominent in in the military community, right? When we're serving, like that's we wear we wear our ego on our chest. Our rank is there, our, our lickies and chewies, our badges are all over our <laughs> uniform. Like we wear our ego. It's a, it becomes a part of who we are. Even if we're a humble human being, you, you're telling everyone who you are, where you've been. And when you step out into a world that you don't know, in a world that doesn't know you, and none of those lickies and chewies really matter anymore, and, and it doesn't matter what year you went to ranger school, or it doesn't matter what graduating class you were of, you know, the academy, it, those things, they stop to, they, and it's not that they don't matter, but they stop to gain, they stop to hold relevance in that civilian world. Right. I mean, they matter. They're who they're, 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 they're what made us who we are. But when you talk to the civilian population, you talk to employers and you talk to the, it, it doesn't matter because they don't understand it. Right. They don't speak that language. 93% of this country have never served. So they don't understand. They don't, they, it's not that they're not impressed by it. Oh, wow. Ranger school, you a class of, oh, that's cooler. But it, they don't understand the gravity of it. The meaning, the importance, right? Yeah. To them. You got to find a way to, to say it in a different language. Yeah. That's so good. I mean, they will always be really important to you. They will always have meaning and value to you. And like you said, if you can figure out how to explain what did you learn in ranger school, how many people actually get selected and graduate from ranger school, um, you know, what were the the key takeaways from that? And that's when you can really transform and, and help everyone see the value of that, right? Yeah, I think those 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 schools. I think are really, really great for um, moments like um, answering questions and in interviews, right? Tell me about a time. Oh, have I got a time? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, let me tell you a story. But yeah, I think I think those those moments, if you can if you can extrapolate what what you learned, right? If you can if you can pull out and glean what it created in you, what are those intangibles? What are those soft skills that came out of that? I think that's so valuable. So well, you kind of left us on the edge. Right. You, you you gave us the the downward. But now let's talk about the upward, because I know that I'm, I've heard you say, like, I was just going to go be a Walmart greeter. That was my plan. And I, you know, somebody came along and helped you see your value and helped turn all of that around. Not that there's anything wrong with being a Walmart greeter, but I think you're making a much bigger impact today, aren't you? So how did that turn around for you? I walked into an organization and said, I don't know what I'm doing. And it was a small nonprofit right here outside of Fort Benning, Fort Moore. It's Fort Benning. Um, right outside of Fort Benning, it is, uh, it's a small regional nonprofit, but they, at, you know, at the time they were doing great work. They're still doing great work, but they, they were doing great work with helping us build resumes and, and kind of teaching us the, the things that, that not that TAP wouldn't, but that aren't built into the program. It was an organization called Still Serving Veterans. I, I walked in, I threw my hands up. Um, Dory Pelly was sitting at the front desk. She will forever be one of my favorite people. Um, and I said, dude, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And she got me back with a guy named Jeremy and worked on a resume. I then met Charles, who is the regional director. That whole thing snowballed so fast. It was unbelievable. But what it ended up being was Charlie and I really building a bond. Um, and then Charlie offering to help me do a, a career skills program or CSP, which is kind of like a, a, 
a skill bridge program, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but built a CSP to come work for them as an intern because it was a, it was that conversation, right? It was that conversation that 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 someone let me know that I wasn't alone. And when I'm not alone, that means there's other people out there that are hurting. So I need to get to them. Like if there's people out there, I'm a senior and seal, right? Where do senior and seals put ourselves? We put ourselves at the point of most friction. We stand in the breach, and we're there to make sure people are get get across safely. And so I saw this as an opportunity. I went to work for Steel Serving Ventures. I did three months as an intern or two months as an intern. Uh, they offered me a position. I took over as like their transition program manager. Um, we built a great transition program that actually took them from just outside of Fort Benning to across the country. Um, and it, it was an incredible experience. And that was fun. And I had a, a, a cool little niche spot. Um, I was very comfortable in my little nonprofit. Um, I met a lot of really great people. I, 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 I immersed myself in the veteran community. And I let people pour into me. I poured into others. And then, uh, and then Leslie Coffee reached out to me from ACP. Um, so American Corporate Partners reached out. And Leslie, I'll never forget that phone call. Man, she said, um, she said I, I either need you or your twin. And I was like, I don't know what you mean, Leslie. She's like, I'm building a position and it's either you or your twin. And I said, well, who else are you interviewing? She says, unless you say no, I'm not interviewing anyone. This is for you. She, so she built a position for me at, at ACP where I got to come on as the, the manager of military engagement. Um, and really figure out how how do we bring more people, right? That's that's the plight of the nonprofit. How do we get the word out? We don't have marketing budgets. We don't have the ability to 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 get news spots and all these other things that that for profit companies get to you know spend their money on. We don't have the availability for that. So how do we find more folks? How do we bring more people? Um, and Leslie believed in me, and she she thought that I I was a, I had a loud enough mouth um, to get the word out. <laughs> And so, uh, and so I took a position with, with ACP as their manager of military engagement, and I have had a blast. We have, I mean, there's something about a program like ACP where you get to walk in and it's one of those places where you get to walk in, even if it's virtually right over the phone and just say, I don't know what I'm doing because we have so many great mentors in our program that can step up and say, okay, hold on. I get it. You don't know what you're doing. Let me show you where to go. Let me show you what certification certifications you need. Let me show you what you should be doing with your resume. Let me teach you about salary negotiation because good Lord, that was difficult. My grandma said it best, right? You get what you get. You don't throw a fit. And that's what I did for 25 years. Like I just got paid whenever the army told me I was going to get paid, regardless of how many people they put in front of me or how many pieces of equipment or where I was deployed. It was, you just got paid whenever you got paid. And so figuring out what my worth and my value was in dollars and cents, that was a hard lesson to learn. But those are one of those, that's just one of those aspects that the mentors over at ACP do such a great job with. So so that's where I'm at now. Um, I am with ACP as the manager of military engagement. Um, I have planted my feet firmly in the veteran community because it's our community. You know, people will hear what you just, the story you just told, and they're like, wow, he got a position created for him. But you know how you did it is by being a visible presence, by giving back to others, by having a voice and being known for something. So if you want to be known for something and have that to that point where someone looks at you and says, I need to create a position so that I can add them to my team. You just need to be visible and be seen as a leader in that industry, as a, an expert um, and just use your voice. That was a process, right? Figuring out my why. That was a process. I had someone ask me, um, they asked me once, what do you want to be known for? Right. I was having, I was, I was engaging with somebody. They were teaching me about building a personal brand. I was learning all about building my brand and, and, and figuring out what it was. And they said, what do you want to be known for? And that, that created, I'm a, I'm, I like to, to dwell on things. I like to think on things. And so that created this process of me, like just kind of sitting up and, and realizing what do I want to do? What do I want to be known for? 
And what that brought me to is this, this, this mentality. And I have, I have two kind of things that I focus on now. First and foremost is I never know when my last day on earth is going to be, but I'm not going to spend it being a jerk, right? I'm going to love on people. I want to spend my last day on earth loving on people. But when I'm gone, right, and somebody is standing in my funeral and they ask, what about what, you know, what was it about Eric? The only thing I care that anyone says, I don't care if they talk about, you know, they, it doesn't matter what they talk about. I just want them to say Eric loved people. That's it. Eric loved people. If we can just get there. So when I figured out that was my why, it made giving back and it made pouring into people so much easier because I love people. People matter. My community matters now. I, and, I, and everybody matters. Civilians, everybody matters. But, but my heart is for my brothers and sisters, right? My heart is for that, that special community, that veteran community. And so that's kind of what I focused on. I, I focused on what, my, what is my brand going to be? My brand is going to be, if I talk to you, I want you to know I loved you. Whether we talked once, we talked a hundred times, it doesn't matter. I want you to feel like somebody cared about you. So, so that's what did it. And then, and then figuring out that I had to be the CEO of my own transition. Ooh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Don't get ahead of yourself, mister. We're going to talk about that one because <laughs> I really like that concept. Okay. So before we move on, you said it earlier and I want to touch on it because you said you talked about sharing your story, right? So that others would not feel so alone. And I think you and I talked about this, like that's really become one of the key reasons behind why I started this show is because I would hear stories from people and I'm like, you have to share that with others so they know that they're not alone. And so I just decided to give people a platform, to give veterans a platform to share their stories with those that are following behind them. So I know it's also a key factor for VET SOS because if you didn't know, SOS stands for... Share our stories. That's right. So there you go. So why do you think that is so important? And then we'll talk about that SOS, by the way. Again, I think it's, I think it's a really simple concept, right? It's, it's, not, it's not some uh, philosophical you know, illumination. It's, it's a really simple concept. And, and you say it all the time, Lori, we just need to know we're not alone. Yeah. I just want, to, I ju- I want people to know that there are people out there that have experienced what you're, what you're experiencing. Although each one of us go through unique cir- circumstances, right? We all go through unique cir- circumstances. And, and, our, and our stories are different. Our families look different. Our hopes and dreams that look different. All of that is different. I recognize that. But I feel like we've got so many common feelings and so many common experiences in what I'm going through. I think it's important to share it because I need you to know that you're not alone and that that other person, they came outside of it, right? They got outside of it. They got past it. And so when, when you hear stories of victory, it creates hope. So we want to create stories and we want to share stories of victory, not not that it started, oh, look at me. I came out and I got my you know, $200,000 a year job right out the gate. That's awesome. I don't, I don't fault those people at all. The ones that come out and they're right into a CEO job or a COO job and they're making six figures. Fantastic. That's not the story for everyone. And for the ones that are hurting, for the ones that are doubting, for the ones that are scared, for the ones that are, 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 are terrified of what's next, I want them to see that there's hope. Other people have gone through it. Other people have walked through it. And there's hope. Hope's a powerful tool. And you will fail. Yeah. Right. We all are going to, and it doesn't have to be a game over. It's just pick yourself up and move on. Like last week, will be last week when we released this episode, we had AJ on, on huge failure that he recovered from. And it was so amazing to talk to him and like what that failure launched him toward. And so just know that it's not the end. It's only the end if you don't get up, Right. And I think that that's the thing is like, it's the, the hope, but it's also the affinity to me 
like I I see a little bit of me in you or I see a little bit of my situation or my feelings in your story and now I know that I'm not weird or strange right you no know? I'm not the only one that's feeling this and I think that's really important to people no I agree 100 percent yeah tell us about your show your new show because adding Eric Brew to Vet SOS is pretty new. So tell us about your podcast. So Vet SOS, Vet, um, it, it's, it, we're about not letting people drown in a sea of transition, right? We want to we toss them the Vet SOS lifeline. But in doing that, as we, as we learn about these organizations, we want to share our stories. We want to talk about the hardships. We want to talk about the victories. We want to we highlight the hope. We want to we we glean the affinity, right? We want to see that there's other people out there that are going through that. Um, but we, we record, uh, about one a week and, uh, put out, put out some great content. We've got some great guests. Um, I'm new. I'm a baby in this thing. Like I'm not <laughs> as famous as Lori is yet on podcasts. Um, but, but it's fun. Sean, um, Sean Welsh and I are, he's my co-host. He invited me on to be the co-host. Um, so he started it, um, and built this thing. He, he's, he's had it for about a year and, and, uh, Mike, his, Michael is his, his co-host, um, couldn't really continue for season two. Um, still is very much involved. Uh, we we love our our who you know network, um, but uh, but is not is not is not on the show as a co-host. And so Sean reached out to me and said, "Man, every time I I think of trying to think of who I want on the show, like your name's the only one that comes up. So what do you think?" And I was like, "I've been a guest on a lot of shows, but I've never hosted one. <laughs> but we've recorded a few shows so far. I've had some fun. We released my first my first one with uh, with Reggie from Still Serving Veterans, which I thought was kind of cool." My first, my very first episode was with my very first organization. So um, kind of a neat tie-in. Um, but uh, but the show is cool. The show is fun. It's, you know, quick 30-minute episodes. Um, so it's easy to listen to. We release on a bunch of different platforms, audio and video. So um, it's, but it's a good time. It's a good time. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get better at it. I'm hoping that uh, that we don't lose too many viewers. I hope I get better at, at hosting. Um but Sean's incredible. His heart for our our community and what what he wants to provide our community is just is just second to none. Pairing up with him and standing alongside him is just I don't know. It's awesome. I love hanging out with that dude. We'll put your uh, link in the show notes and guys go check it out. You there's room in your life for two military transition podcasts. Come on, <laughs> we're both here to help you, right? Listen, I think we should be listening to all of them. It's just it's just like the nonprofits out there, right? Listen to all the podcasts, go to all the organizations because, because of those uniquenesses, you're going to find ones that work better and don't work better, but you, but we're all available, right? There's no competition. And that's what I love about our community, Lori. There's no competition. We're not competing for you. We just want to help you. We're not trying to sell you something. We just want to help you. That's it. We're just here. If you don't want it, you don't need it. God bless. Have a great day. You told me something that I kind of find hard to believe. But you told me that you suffer from imposter syndrome every single day. You're so confident and you're you're such a great communicator. Like, I, I think like me, most people listening are going to find that kind of hard to believe. But tell me, like, what do you think causes it? Even for people who have had crazy success like you, how do you deal with it? Our brain has to downshift. We have, we have to we have to we have to flip from where we were to where we are. Right. And that's going to happen a lot. Right. I've I've got I've got children who have moved out of the home. Right. So. I've got to switch from being dad all the time to mentor and then to advisor because I'm not dad, right? I'm not going to dad them. That's a, that's a mental shift. And I think just like that, you know, when you graduate college, you've been in a, in a controlled environment 
And then you step outside of that controlled environment. Everybody says, what do you want to do? And you're 24 years old. And you're like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. What do you mean? What do I want to do? I've got a degree. Isn't that good enough? And then you step out of the military and the world's your oyster. And it, I don't know what I want to do, but I know that no matter what I want to do, it's not what I've done. And what I've done, especially if you, especially for my senior folks, my senior officers, senior NCOs, especially for those folks who have put a lifetime, right? Just about three, uh, almost three decades, right? A, almost a quarter of a century wearing that uniform. That uniform became who I was. And so when I took that uniform off, I had to figure out who I was without it. And when when you go through an event like that, and when you're trying to reinvent yourself, and you're trying to figure out who I am now, what what does Eric Brew bring to the table that isn't for Sergeant Brew? What does Eric Brew bring to the table that isn't the uniform? How do I get outside of the infantry box that I have been in for 25 years, right? How do I show the rest of the world my worth, my value, and what I bring to the table is bigger than the military? I think that's where a lot of this comes from because we're stuck thinking that that's all we've got. I can tell you, I've, I've absolutely have had the conversation and I've said it a thousand times, although I know it's wrong, it still comes out of my mouth where I'm like, oh no, I'm a has-been, my, hey, my heydays are behind me. Kicking in doors in Baghdad and chasing down dudes and, and, and I trying to play hopscotch with IEDs in Afghanistan. Those are my heydays and that's all behind me and I'm, I'm washed up now. That season is over, but the next season is not over. It's just getting started. I only retired in 2020. Like I've got, I'm, I'm three years into retirement. Again, I'm a baby in this world. Like I'm a nobody. I've not been doing this very long. I'm just trying to, still trying to figure it out. But I think that's, that's where that imposter syndrome comes from. It's how do I figure out what my own worth is outside of the thing I've been doing so long, away from the thing I've been doing so long. How do I stand alone? How do I stand on my own? I, I don't know how I deal with it. I, I, I don't, I don't even have a good answer for that, Lori. Like I wake up every day and I pray that God puts me in a position to help someone that when I do, I'm authentic. When I'm authentic, I'm transparent. And when I'm transparent, I'm genuine, right? Like I just, I want, want to be those things. And so what you get is me coming on your show and saying, I was suicidal through transition, right? I, that's, that's real. That happened. I, I know what that feels like. I know what it is to think about this. I, I might not see my kids again. I know what that thought process is like, but then, it, but, but then we find hope, right? When we start moving forward and we get past those things and or we survive that tumultuous experience, or we survive transition. But even when you do that, you, it's so hard to get pulled back to you know what it, you know, what it was like in the uniform. I see here every you know all the time on Zoom, and I've got all these things on the wall. And I'm so, I don't know, my wife did an amazing job decorating my office, but I've got dates prints and 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 pictures and and stuff hanging all over my wall that remind me of where I came from. So sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to remember that that where I came from isn't where I'm going. So that season is over, but there are so many callbacks from that season that you can use in the future, right? If you think about like, if we talk about it in terms of seasons, right? Like a television show comes to my mind, right? And so how many times does a television show call back to what happened in season one, even though they're now in season five? And so you're pulling from that experience, that knowledge, that skill set, and you're leveraging that to have success in your next season, right? And so we don't have to close the door, lock it, and throw away the key. We can still use that. And that's what I love to do is to teach people how to use that in the future. Yep. So that they don't feel like, okay, that me, I have to take off those that skin and leave it behind. I'm, you know, you're not a snake. You're not shedding your skin and starting over. Like, how can I use that in the future? And so- that's one thing I, I wanted to say about that is like, yeah, 
your season might have come to a close, but we're going to call back to it forever, right? Um, even if you want to do something completely different, like, you know, going from infantry to working in a nonprofit, like you're still calling back to everything you learned as an NCO, as a senior NCO. So how do you deal with it? Like you feel the fear and you do it anyway. Well, that's real courage, right? Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's acknowledging fear and moving forward anyway. I'm terrified every single day. I'm terrified I'm going to, I look, I'm terrified I'm going to miss a meeting. I'm terrified I'm going to say the wrong thing on a podcast. I'm terrified that I'm going to let a brother or sister down because I didn't answer the phone or I didn't answer a, an email fast enough. But that fear is what drives us. We've all been there. Veterans are, have a, spe- we have a unique ability to do that. Um, but you, what you said is really important too, right? The callback. I, use, I usually tell folks like, I don't want you to give up where you came from. I don't want you to put it away. Like you said, we're not going to lock the door. We're not going to put it in a box. I want you to acknowledge it. But what I want is I want you to be able to go out and stand by a bonfire smoke a cigar, have an adult beverage, laugh and tell stories with the boys, hang out with the, hang out with your, you know, your, your girl vet homies. You know what I mean? Like hang out and, and talk about that and then wake up the next morning and walk into your office and be a thriving member of a team, regardless of anyone else's background. And I think the way you do that is you learn how to be bilingual. This isn't about, this isn't about letting go of everything you've learned. It's just about learning a new language. It's about learning a new language. It's about learning an oppor- a, learning a way to exist outside the uniform, but not giving everything up. I love that. I, you know, and that's where I talk about being bilingual too. And I think that it's okay to have like a foot in both languages, right? And Absolutely. You can, be, you can be that, you know, that person who can adapt. I promise as civilians, while we're different, we're not that bad. I, I promise you. Some of us are pretty cool. So we, you alluded to it earlier and I was like, hold on. We're going to talk about it later, but let's talk about it. You say that every military service member should be the CEO of their transition, right? You said it earlier. So what do you mean by that? When someone comes in, whether they build their own company, let's just say someone who builds their own company, they're the CEO of their company. Very rarely does somebody, if they're going to really grow, they're going to flourish, right? They don't do it by themselves. They enlist a team, right? They bring in a CFO or a COO and they bring in all these folks to come in and, and, and lift them up lift the organization up and carry it forward. And while you're the CEO of your transition, that means you've got to build a team around you. And that's done in my opinion. And again, I give the world's greatest advice, Lori, but a good synonym for advice is just opinion, right? So this is my opinion. This is my perspective. But I think the way that you do that is, is you enlist people around you and organizations around you that are going to lift you up and move you forward. The key to that though is they can't care more about your transition than you do. Nobody cares about a company more than the, more than the founder, the CEO, the person who started it. Nobody cares more. They're, they're the most invested. They've got the most financially invested, the most blood, sweat, and tears into it. And that's how you've got to look at your transition. I, I, I watch so many of my brothers and sisters treat organizations like they're the S1, right? Like they're the, they're, they're, the, they're, they're, they're the administrative shop. They get to just walk in and go, hey, I need this. And then I get it. And then I walk away. It's very transactional. In the, in the military, we have a tendency to be very transactional. And that's, that's not what transition is about, right? It's about building relations. So when you, when you, when you engage with organizations and, and you, you, you go, okay, you're here to help me. So let, let's help me, but let me be the most invested. I'm going to be proactive. I'm not going to miss that meeting that I set with you. I'm not going to forget to call. I'm going to have a calendar and I'm going to do things. I'm going to set myself up with a process that allows me to transition. And you said it earlier, you're going to fail at that. You're going to try 17 different processes that all fail, right? So does every CEO, right? We, we try to figure out what works best. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But if we're failing forward, we're going to be okay. And I, I like that 
what you said because you know as you said it's like you have to take ownership build a team around you but remember that you know you are the one that cares the most and you have to be the one that cares the most and it's sometimes i feel like um i see service members that come and they drop their problems on others and they say help me right and there's nothing wrong with asking for help but it's like you can't ask them to do it for you correct you have to take that ownership. You have to be the driver behind it. There are so many people, resources, organizations that want to help you, but you have to drive that ship. Yeah, you have to take a proactive and an active role, you know, and that's and that's hard, right? Taking the proactive role is hard because then it, it comes down to well, where do I look for help? I mean, that's where I failed, right? That's that was my first failures. I didn't I didn't even know where to ask for help. I didn't know where to look, and so many of us face that. But I think that's why there's so many folks like you and Vet SOS who get on and try to share those things so we can say, hey, look, there, here is where you go. The idea is just being able to raise my hand and say, I don't know, and then educate myself, get myself prepared and start building the team around me. And it's it's a process. And that's why you, you need to give it time too, right? Like, you know, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Do you know how long it's going to take me to undo 24 and a half years <laughs> of military trans transactional transitional thinking, organizational leader. Like it's going to take so long for me to to adapt. And it's not going to happen in three years. I'm not done transitioning. Right. I don't know if I'm ever going to be done transitioning, honestly. I wish we could change that word. I do too. Transition, but we've talked about it on here but many times. But, you know, it's like, ugh, I've made that because that shows an endpoint, And it's not like it's always about preparing yourself for what's next. And then when you get there, I'm like, okay. Now let's prepare for what's after that. And let's let's look at what's next after that. Kind of like you and your steps that you've been taking, right? And I think if I had, if I were King for a day, I think I would change it, change it to transformation because it's a continuous thing, right? Something that's moving forward. On top of that, transition sounds easy to me. I transition from my office to my kitchen really easily. I transition from outside to in my car really. Those are all transitions. They're easy. I don't think transition is easy. I don't think it's impossible. I think it's, I think there's, there, there are, there are people out there that are willing to help, but I don't think it's easy. So we can't make it sound easy. I'm so tired of hearing people say, oh yeah, you know, you just need to do this. You just need to do that. First of all, no, there's no, you just. That's my least favorite word. I don't want to get in that soapbox. Just. Anyway. Okay. Well, you and I talked about one of your posts where you talked about people trying they need to stop looking for work-life balance because that's kind of a myth. There is no 50-50 in a marriage, in a work, in a life, and, you know, there will never be balance. You said instead that they should look for alignment. Can you explain that concept to me, what you mean by that? I And, and I took some flack over that. I, I, got, I, got some, I got some private messages that, that, that hit me pretty hard over that one because work-life balance is such a great catchphrase, but... If I asked anyone to stand on their foot and balance, it wouldn't last forever. There's, if I told you to balance a, a, a basketball on your finger, I, it, there's, there's too many outside variables that can knock that off place. And balance is something I just don't think is realistic. Not in today's world. I think things move too fast. They alter too fast. They change too fast to stay balanced. However, what I do believe is that if you find an organization that aligns with your core values... If you find a position that aligns with your talents and your abilities and your hope for the future and what you want to grow into, if you find a salary that aligns with what your family needs, right? If you find a a position that allows you the time off that your family needs or the flexibility of schedule or the remote position, those are all things that fall into alignment. And when you find 
the thing that falls into alignment, although it's not the same as balance, I believe it's far more sustainable. I believe I can sustain a position with someone that I feel or with an organization or in a position that I feel aligns with where I should and am, where I should be and where I am. So it's, again, it's, I took some flack over that because work-life balance is a big, like people want to talk about, that's a full, that's a whole hashtag, you know, but it's just, it's, it's a nice, it's a nicety. It's, it's, it would be great. It'd be fun. And that'd make me feel good. That's not reality. It's just like saying every marriage is 50-50. No. No. My wife and I just talked about that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> There are days I, w- I wake up and I look at him like, sweetheart, I got 20 today. Like, <laughs> you're getting 20 out of me. I need you to cover 80. You know, there's days I'm exhausted or days I don't feel well and I'm not bringing 50. I'm not even bringing 10. You know, I'm in the bed for a couple of hours. Like, there's just not, it's nice to say, but I think it sets us up for failure. When we talk about that, specifically with veterans who come out thinking that that's what we're going to find. And then when they don't find it, they're devastated and they're let down and it's setting people up to not experience what they were told they were going to experience. And then it leaves them on an island because now I feel alone again. So instead, look for something that you feel like aligns with like your priorities, your drive, your why. Yes. So that you feel like if you have to give a little more than they give that week, then it's not that big of a deal, right? Yeah. And but, you know, if it if it's like 90-10 for 6 months, maybe it's time to look elsewhere. And, and things look like they're out of balance and then we feel like we're being let down, but what we really did is we didn't find someone who aligned with what we wanted. Right. Now, that gives we have to give room for life to life. We have to give room for organizations to shift and leader new leadership to come in with new policies and procedures like all of that. So that whole finding alignment thing, I, I again, I don't think that's that's not a one size fits all. It's not a find it and it's done. I think it's a continuous evaluation of where you're at. Yeah, because that'll be in flux as well. Like you said, there are so many variables that will change. An organization changes direction. The leadership changes. Their their policies change. Your life changes, right? Your priorities change. Like you know, so you do have to continue to look at that objectively. And I think um, you said it earlier. It's like you know, I'm more than you know, what's on your wall behind you and more than your service. And like, you could be more than your job after the military as well. Not you can, you should, right? I, I was going to say you should be, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate to should anybody, but you know, that's one that really you should, right? So, um, so just keep that in mind. And that sometimes is the scary part. It's like, well, I've never really taken the time to figure out who I am. Yeah. And so, the, you know, give yourself the space and the grace to do that as well. All right. So I know the official announcement has already been made and we alluded to it earlier. See, we're doing a lot of callbacks, just like you're going to do with your seasons of your life, right? So speaking of following your interests and looking for alignment in your career, you have some pretty exciting career news. So you want to tell me what's going on and how it all came about? I have some terrifying career news. Um, <laughs> And this was a tough one. Um, speaking of letting life change, right? Um, and reevaluating. For those that don't know, I'm I'm a man of faith. I'm I'm a I'm a strong Christian. I believe in in that, that in a creator that created me and loves me and and died for my sins. Um, and that has led me to a place uh, where I have been called into veteran ministry. So um, although I'm not completely leaving the transition space, I plan on being very much involved. I'm going to open up my veterati again. Um, 
I, I, you know, the Vet SOS podcast is very much about transition. So I'm not leaving the transition space. It just won't be what I, what I do on my day to day. Um, but I have been called, uh, there's a, there's an organization, there's a small ministry, um, up in Michigan where I'm from, uh, called, um, Warriors Set Free, um, very small ministry with a really big mission. Um, and that mission is to, uh, lead veterans, right. Uh, through the gospel, um, to, to find freedom from some of the stuff that we carry as veterans, specifically as veterans. But the outcome really is to reduce the effects of PTS and to ultimately reduce um, the pandemic of veteran suicide. But it's it's the idea of doing that through finding faith uh, and finding hope uh, in Christ. And so I have been called into uh, essentially ministry. Um, I will be the Georgia director. So the, the ministry of Michigan is expanding to Georgia. Uh, so there's nothing here yet. I will be I will be building that. Um, I've got a, a great teammate, Mitch Schumacher, who's going to come. Who's going to be uh, my teammate down here in Georgia. But the ministry is important, and this is this is not a this is this is not a, a so much a job change as it is a calling. This is something that I feel like God has called me into. Um, I was talking to a very good friend of mine the other day, and and she mentioned that um, she's been watching this happen for the last year, which terrified me because I hadn't been watching it. I had no idea this was coming, but the way this came about was really simple. Uh, they also host um, half week events um, where veterans can come and we kind of dive in, right? So it's a kind of, it's a Wednesday to a Sunday event and we dive into experiences and, and there's a lot of cathartic things that we do faith-based, right? Like you're walking through stuff from, from, an, from an experience of, I can let this go because I have a creator who's already forgiven me, right? So now how do I forgive myself? Um, but these events happen. My son, my my one of my youngest sons, who's also a service member, uh, stationed up at, at Fort Campbell. He he attended an event a few months ago, and I was blessed enough to be able to serve on it. And so I served as a staff member, um, got to talking to the directors, and fast forward a few months later, um, they extended an offer. They decided they wanted to grow. They decided Georgia was where they wanted to do it, and so um, and so again, I will be the the Georgia director uh, down here trying to figure out what that looks like. Um, I've been telling folks for a long time that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And uh, that is where we're at. I have to actually walk that out now because I, I am absolutely not equipped for this. Um, I am, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what God can do uh, through me and through the team down here in Georgia um, just to reach more people. Very exciting news. So another person created a position for Eric Brew. <laughs> this one was just a little bit higher up uh, in the uh, hierarchy than, than, than uh, Leslie Coffee. Not that Leslie Coffee isn't a goddess, but, you know. He's very close. <laughs> well, Eric, I really appreciate you sharing your story and your, you know, just your struggles and your triumphs and, and really just giving us a little bit of insight into how you walked this path. And we can't wait to see what's next for you. Thanks, Lori. It has been a, a blessing to be here. I have loved talking to you. You're one of my favorite people in the world anyway. Um, but no, I've, I'm really honored. I'm happy to have been here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help you in your military transition, then I've done my job. Please don't keep this podcast a secret. Share it with as many of your active duty service member friends and transitioning veterans who may be struggling with that process as possible. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and join our YouTube channel so you don't miss any lessons that we share.